Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Welcome, everyone. I apologize. I we we I hit the the red button to go live and realized that I had left a fan on. So as, the intro was playing out, and I was like, no, 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 don't, 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 don't. And the and I was running across the room, and I was trying to turn the fan off, and I turned it to high, and I'm like, no, run, run, run back to the microphone. So let's do this again. Let's just ignore everything that just took place. Let's ignore it. Are you ready? Okay. So let's do this. All right. Well. We're going to pretend that did not happen, all right? That did not happen. <laughs> Literally, I was running across the room as fast as I could, and I I was like, there's no way I'm going to make it, because that intro is only 13 seconds long, and I'm like, I'm not going to make it to the other, other end of this room and run all the way back and then sit down behind this microphone ready to go. So we need to do this professionally. Are you ready? Let's do this. Uh, let's do this the right way. Let's kick this off the right way. Here we go. Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, April the 7th, 2022. It is currently 5.20 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, that intro... Yes, the intro was all messed up, right? I I had to play the intro again because everything was confusing, everything was a mess. I was I was trying to run across the room and then I ran back here. Everything got messed up and what a perfect perfect introduction for what is about to happen for the next 7 to 8 weeks. Because we are about to begin a new Bible study exercise. Typically, we start the new Bible study exercise on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday evening. Sometimes we'll do the introduction to the new week of Bible study starting on maybe a Sunday afternoon. But we're starting it on a Thursday because this introduction is will set up what we will be doing for the next seven to eight weeks for our series, A Bible Study Exercise. Now, if you're brand new, this is a perfect time to be tuning into a Bible study exercise. Let me explain the purpose of this entire series. The purpose of this entire series is to move you from a passive listener to an active participant. We want people not just listening to someone tell you what they think the Bible means. We want you picking up a Bible, a notebook, reference tools, and using the curriculum to actually engage in Bible study yourself. We give you assignments. We give you homework. You're more than free to turn that in by emailing it to me at newsif at yahoo.com. There is curriculum. If you want access to it, email me at newsif at yahoo.com and simply say, I want the curriculum. You'll get sent a link. It's all yours. It's absolutely free. You don't have to pay for anything. We're very grateful for those who do support everything we're trying to do here, but we don't ask you for anything. We try to give you all the tools we can to get you moved from a passive listener to an active participant. There are millions of podcasts out there where you can just listen to someone say, hey, here's what this, this, this is what this text means. Here's, here's my interpretation. But we want you engaged in actual Bible study. So we refer to this series as Bible Study Exercise. If you have the Church One app, you can just, well, 
do uh, search for Theology Central, make us the chosen uh, preferred broadcaster. Go to the series Bible Study Exercise. I think currently there's well over 200 that we've done so far, and well, we do this every week. Every week is one, one week, one passage of Scripture. But in this particular case, it's going to be one passage of Scripture for about eight weeks, okay? That's what we, it may even turn in longer than that, but it, it's, it's going to get confusing because there's so many different opinions about this passage of Scripture. It's going to get maybe even chaotic, but I think it's going to be a great time of study. So I, I beg you to participate. I plead with you to participate. Even if you never participate in another one, participate in this one because it is of, I think, the utmost importance. And here's the reason it is important. We're going to be studying a passage of scripture that people reference time and time and time again. Anytime a war breaks out, boom, people reference this passage. Anytime <laughs> someone in chat just says, this is making me nervous. Okay, well, good. It should. All right. But anytime a war breaks out, people reference this passage of scripture. Anytime there's an earthquake, people reference this passage of scripture. Anytime anything bad happens in the world, people reference this scripture. It is used over and over again. Here, here just, I'll just read some of the, the, the verses in this passage of scripture. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of war. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. Yes, you, you've heard those scriptures quoted over and over and over. People post things on social media. These are referenced all the time because people think that this will help them understand the craziness and the chaos in the world and, and give them some perspective. But then what happens is once the verses are quoted, well, then all of the disagreement and all of the debate begins. And if you start studying these words that I'm reading to you, and start looking up commentaries and listening to sermons, you're going to hear an opinion, an opinion, perspective, 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 and it's going to sound as chaotic well, as the introduction to this program turned out, all because I had to run completely across the room trying to turn something off. But in some ways, we're going to have to turn off a lot of the noise so that we can focus in for the next probably eight weeks. Are you ready? Is that, is that, a, is that a decent introduction? Here we go. For the next eight weeks... You're going to become very acquainted with, you're going to become good friends with Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 is what we're going to be studying for the next eight weeks. And the reason I'm introducing this early is because I, I think we've come pretty close to doing everything we can with John 16. There's a couple of things we could do, and I may try to do a couple of concluding things uh, before Saturday or before Sunday, dealing with John 16, but it's all Matthew 24 now. It's all Matthew 24. If we follow the curriculum, we actually are supposed to do something else next week, but I'm going to just ignore the curriculum. We're going all in with Matthew 24. That is what we're going to do, and I hope you are ready. One of the reasons we're starting early is because uh, the, the first thing we're going to do is it's all going to be homework for you, 
all right? Remember, and that's why I'm stressing why what this Bible study exercise is all about. If you're tuning in just to hear me say, let's take it apart, and I give you the outline, and I start breaking it down, and I give you all the different perspectives, and I tell you this, no. Again, that would just be you listening to what I've done. I want you involved in the study. And especially with a chapter like Matthew 24, because this is what... This is my this is my theory, this is my hypothesis, this is my thesis. Uh, clearly not all churches agree with me here. But I think the purpose of the church is to equip saints so they're no longer tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Many pastors believe that the way to do that is for people just to sit there and listen to them teach. Now I'm I believe in the teaching ministry because I've been doing it for a good portion of my life. I believe in teaching. There's no question. But I believe the best way to equip people is not just to have them sit there and listen, but to be actively involved in the learning process. That from the pulpit, you just don't say, here's my three points. You raise questions. You cause, you lead them through all the difficulties. You present them all the different perspectives. You try to, you give them homework. You give them assignments. There's, there's been people who have, who have visited our church and will be like, wait, wait, they, he just gave us homework? Wait, what, what's going on? Sometimes I will even give tests because I, it's about having people actually involved. Just sitting there, okay, great, that's wonderful. But if you look at how much people actually retain by just listening, I mean, the, the statistics are pretty obvious. They don't retain much. You got to get them more than just sitting there, but doing something. So uh, the Bible study exercise is designed to do that. And I think this is so critical with a chapter like Matthew 24. Look, you can go find the preachers who will give you what you already think Matthew 24 means, right? And you can listen to it and go, whoa, look, they agree with me. They're right. I'm right. And then you can act like that you're all, you know, that you're better than everyone else. But I think, you know what, let's set aside all of our presuppositions and let's once again dig into Matthew 24 and Let's consider different perspectives, and let's see if we can find some answers. So, we're, it's I know it's I know it's weird because it's a Thursday, all right. I know this is going to kind of mess up our our strategy, but what we're gonna I'm not, I'm not going to be typically. It's like you know we start on a Saturday, and then by the next Saturday, the next Sunday, we're ready to move over. But we really don't have to follow anything specific because really we're we're just going to be at Matthew twenty four. So I'm not going to follow any set timetable as far as, well, the, 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 you know, we're going to, yeah, we're just going to use basically eight weeks. I think that's pretty much what it's going to come down to. And so how we approach it, it we'll just see. I'll definitely give you time to work on some of the assignments, but in the meantime, I may be doing different episodes. So you just need to be, well, have your notification, have the church one app and have your notifications on. Listen to us when we're live, and then if you can't, check in, check in when things are posted. And again, have your Church One app ready to go. You'll get notifications when I upload something new. So, um, and I can send out notices as well. So I hope you're ready. Matthew 24. Are you ready? I, I want to start reading it, but I'm not even going to do that. I'm just going to give you your homework. Matthew 24. I have here the journal, which has... Your assignments for this week. Are you ready? Matthew 24. You're not going to like this first assignment, but that's okay. 
Well, you're not going to, you're not going to like the way the first assignment's going to work with the second assignment. Yeah, that's where some people are. And a, a lot of you are not going to do what I'm getting ready to ask you to do, but I hope you will take me seriously here. Okay. Matthew 24, so much confusion, so much debate, so many different perspectives. Everyone, and what drives me crazy is anytime anyone engages me about Matthew 24, they seem to always think they've got it all figured out, that they, they, they've mastered it. I'm like, 2,000 years of church history, but you've mastered it. That, that's always, that's always I, I guess, somewhat funny to me, somewhat sad, but here we go. First thing I need you to do, Matthew 24, I need you to read it five times, five times, one of those times out loud. The whole chapter, Matthew 24, five times, one of those times out loud. All right, you're, I know what you're saying. Well, that's not that big a deal. Some people won't even read it five times. Some people will not. Read it five times. Please read it five times. I mean, that's like the minimum of the minimum. You're going to actually read it more than five times, but I, you'll see I'm, I'm playing a little game here. <laughs> some people will catch on, some people will not. Okay, but read it five times, minimum, one of those times out loud. That's the first step, simple. Number two, number two, chapter summary method on Matthew 24. Now, if you know anything about the chapter summary method, you know the first thing you have to do with the chapter summary method is you have to read the text five times. So you're going to read it five times. Then you're going to do a chapter summary method, which requires you to read it another five times. So technically, you're going to be reading the chapter 10 times, two times out loud. All right, so what some of you are going to do, you're going to read it five times and immediately go to the chapter summary method, and you're not going to read it five times for the chapter summary method, which the chapter summary method of Bible study requires. You need to read the chapter 10 times. The more controversial, the more divisive, the more difficult, the more confusing a passage is, the more it requires you to read it. And in your reading, you're not trying to interpret. You're just observing. Observe the words that are being uh, used. Observe past tense, present tense. Observe um, repetition of words, repetition of themes, repetition of ideas. Uh, notice people. Just notice the structure. Is, is the chapter easily, does it easily outline? You're just observation, observation, observation. Let me say this, um, let me give you this principle. The more complicated, confusing, or divisive a passage is, the more you need to read it. The more confusing and divisive and controversial a passage is, the more you need to spend time doing observation. Because I've stated it a million times, let me state it again. The quality of your interpretation is solely based off the quality of your observation, too many people read the Bible and immediately try to go to interpretation. You're, when you start looking at a passage of Scripture, you are literally a billion miles away from interpretation. Interpretation should be the last thing on your mind when you get ready to study the Bible. It should be observation, and that's why, think of it this way, Bible study is really observation. Bible study methods are observational methods. They're observational tools. You have to do Bible study, meaning observation, before you transition into hermeneutics or interpretation. So many people just read, interpret. No, you have to read, observation, then interpretation. 
the more difficult, the more observation is needed. The more confusing, the more observation is needed. You may think it's simple. You may think, I don't know why there's so much confusion. I don't know why there's so much disagreement. Just Here's just a, a good rule of thumb. You may not think there's any reason to be confused, but it could possibly mean that you're missing what everyone else is seeing. Like, like if you're like 2,000 years of church history and there's all kinds of disagreement and you come along whatever year you know you live and say, well, I don't see the problem. Well, there's a pro- pretty good chance it's because you're not seeing. <laughs> that's, that's like, it, I doubt that you've just magically figured it out. And I, and I despise when pastors stand behind the pulpit and make some claim like, a lot of people find this difficult. I don't see what's so difficult about it. It's really easy. Yeah, it's really easy when all you do is run to your favorite commentary, take their interpretation, and then preach that interpretation in a dogmatic way, ignoring the fact that there's 50 billion other people who disagree with that interpretation. Yeah, it's really easy to make it sound like it's so simple when all you're doing is just taking someone's interpretation and preaching it. You're not actually studying the text. So much preaching is not actually study of the text. It's just someone basically taking a commentary, putting it into their own words, and preaching it. Okay, well, all you did is took a commentary and preached it. Now, let's deal with the actual text, right? So you read it five times, then you do the chapter summary method, and the first step of the chapter summary method is, well, you read it five times. If someone is listening and you do not know the chapter summary method, please see the chapter summary method teaching that I've done recently. It is available. If you cannot find it, let me know. Again, the Church One app is the easy way to find everything, right? So download the Church One app, do a search for Theology Central, and then that basically it becomes the Theology Central app, right? So there we go. Read it five times. Chapter summary method. That means read it five times. You've read it 10 times. Two of those times are out loud. And when you do the chapter summary method, please work hard. Make this the best chapter summary method you have ever done. All right? Observation, 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 observation. I want you to, this is how well I want you to know Matthew 24. I want you to know Matthew 24 so well. It is so just burned into your brain that if anyone ever says anything about Matthew 24, you know the verses, you know the outline, you know that chapter so that you can never be tossed to a fro with any fraudulent claims about the chapter because you know everything in it. All right? So read five times, chapter summary method, which requires another five times of reading. Two of those times is out loud. That's a total of 10 times reading it, two times out loud, and then a chapter summary method. I feel like I need to explain the chapter summary method, but I've already taught it, so I'm not going to do that. Number three, here's the third thing you need to do. If you cannot find it, I will help you. But you're going to be doing a little reading in Josephus this time. What I need you to do and if you uh, you should be able to find this, um, I'll help you. If you go to Google and you just type in Josephus on 70 AD, Josephus is spelled J-O-S-E-P-H-U-S, Josephus on 70 AD. The first, let's see, number one, two, three, the fourth entry, the fourth entry reads like this, Josephus describes the Roman sack of Jerusalem. It will give you chapter 8 and chapter 9 of 
The War of the Jews, Book 6. All right, so you're going to read Josephus and his description of what happened on 70 AD. Now, here you go. Let me help you again. Go to Google, type in Josephus on 70 AD. It should be the first, second, third, fourth entry. It will read, Josephus describes the Roman sack of Jerusalem. It comes to us from pbs.org. And what they have here is uh, the War of the Jews, book six, chapter eight and nine. The War of the Jews, book six, chapter eight and nine. The reason I'm not telling you to go to the War of the Jews, book six, chapters eight and nine, is because either A, you don't own it, B, you may have, maybe, I think you could find it online easily, but this is just makes it simple for everyone. Okay, okay, it's Josephus, the War of the Jews, book six, chapter eight and nine. And I want you to read everything he has to say in regards to what happened on 70 AD. Now, this is very important. Every Bible student. This should be a requirement for discipleship class, right? As soon as someone becomes a Christian, they immediately should learn everything surrounding 70 AD, everything that happened in 70 AD, and the immediate after effects of 70 AD. Everyone should know everything about 70 AD because 70 AD is one of the most significant events in biblical history and one of the most significant events, especially for biblical interpretation. Let me give you an example. I do not think you can properly understand the book of Hebrews unless you interpret it as a warning for the coming destruction that's going to occur in 70 AD. If we date the book of Hebrews to around 66, 67 AD, it's literally warning them of what's getting ready to happen. And if you interpret it that way, that does away with a lot of the craziness that people try to interpret about losing salvation. No, this is about the Jews losing their entire religious system. So they're going to need something else. And that something else needs to be something better. And well, there, there's the book of Hebrews. So you, I, so many people preach uh, Hebrews and deal with all of the soteriological controversies. I'm like, no, this is all pointing. This is warning them of what's coming in 70 AD and giving them what's better. So, again, you you can't understand that. So many biblical prophecies have to at least be considered in light of what happened in 70 AD. And 70 AD is very significant in understanding Matthew 24. So you need to read what Josephus had to say about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD in his book, The War of the Jews, book six, chapter eight and nine, or the easiest way to find it is go to Google Josephus on 70 AD. Look for the fourth entry. Josephus describes the Roman sack of Jerusalem from pbs.org and read it and read it. Right, because I now there I, there's far more you should do on 70 AD, but right now I'm not going to give you any more to do. Right, right now, All right. So your homework, your homework. Read Matthew 24 five times. Do a chapter summary method, which includes reading it five times. So that means that's ten times of reading it. Two of those times as out loud. 
read Josephus' description of what happened on 70 and 70 AD with Roman sack of Jerusalem. Now, the reason you're doing number three, I cannot stress this enough. The reason you're doing number three is because if you open up Matthew 24, look at how the chapter begins. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Jesus on earth walks out of a temple, a real literal temple that was literally standing at that time in Jerusalem. His disciples come to him to show him the buildings of the temple. The disciples come to him like, look at this. Look at these buildings. Look at everything connected with the temple. Look at this. Look at this. So it's literal buildings, literally standing. Well, Jesus is literally on earth, literally in Jerusalem. And Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left there here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Immediately, Jesus makes a prediction, a prophecy in regards to all of these buildings. It's all coming down. Now, it's almost as if he walks away because he goes and has a seat upon the Mount of Olives in Matthew 24, verse 3. And clearly the disciples, when they hear this, this would be a shock. The destruction of the temple. That temple really demonstrates God's presence amongst Israel, in the midst of Israel. This is a significant thing. This would be shocking beyond any, I mean, they would be completely horrified to hear this, that it's all going to be destroyed. But so Jesus, it goes, sits on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of the coming and of the end of the world? Then starting in verse 4, Jesus begins to give them the signs. Now, I don't care. I want you to set aside. Remember, this is so important. You cannot bring your theology into your Bible study. You study the Bible, which should bring, that should lead you to your theology. So many times we bring our theology and it becomes a, a filter that we lay upon the text and then we read our theology into the text. I don't care what your system of eschatology is. I don't care, dispensational, amillennial. I don't care what you are. Just set it all aside. Everyone would have to admit that clearly what Jesus starts to do is give them the signs that are related to the destruction of the temple. And we know exactly when all of those buildings come down. 70 A.D. That's why you're going to read about Josephus' description of 70 A.D. I think you should read any other historical accounts that mention 70 AD. You should be an expert on 70 AD. You should know what happened and you should know what didn't happen. That's where if you read a prophecy and you're like, well, that doesn't apply to 70 AD because I know that didn't happen. Or wait a minute. There were some things happening around 70 AD. I think that would fulfill that prophecy. That's why you need to be the expert. Because everyone will tell you what they, everyone will tell you what happened in 70 AD. Everyone will act like that they're an expert. Sometimes what they tell you is accurate. Sometimes what they tell you is complete garbage. You need to be able to know 
wait, huh? No, no, no. Where are you getting that information? Because I've read 14 things on 70 AD and I don't know anything you're referring to, or I've read enough information knowing that that's fraudulent and not true. You need to be the expert on 70 AD because clearly Matthew 24, which everyone quotes whenever anything happens, oh, there's an earthquake, boom, 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 Jesus is about to come back. There's a war, boom, Jesus is about to come back over and over and over. And you're like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was this, are you referring to these things to Jesus coming back in the future or weren't those things primarily focused on pointing people to 70 AD? That's what we're going to be looking at. All right. So read five times. Do a chapter summary method. Now, a lot of people are not going to do the work. You don't do the work. I mean, I guess you can listen to whenever I do bring in the teaching for the Bible study exercise. But again, you'd just be cheating yourself. Do the work. Chapter summary. You're saying, I don't know how to do a chapter summary method. We can get you caught up. You've got plenty of time. You find my message on the chapter summary method, learn the chapter summary method, and Email me and I'll make sure you're ready to go. We'll get you, we'll get you. Can, anyone can do the chapter summary method. I've taught it everywhere from Christian high school to youth group to singles to adults, seniors, you name it. Anyone who'll listen to me. So uh, anybody can do a chapter summary method, right? Then you're going to read what Josephus had to say about 70 AD. You're going to become an expert on it. Then here's what you're going to do. Number four. I want you to go to a website called theopedia.com. Theopedia.com. That is spelled T-H-E-O-P-E-D-I-A.com. Theopedia.com. And when you get to theopedia.com, I want you to look up an entry for preterism. P-R-E-T-E-R-I-S-M. Preterism. P R E. T-E-R-I-S-M. Preterism is a view in Christian eschatology which holds that some or all of the biblical prophecies concerning the last day uh, last days refer to events which took place in the first century after Christ's birth, especially with the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. D. Preterism is a view in Christian eschatology which holds that some or all of the biblical prophecies concerning the last days refer to the events which took place in the first century after Jesus' birth, especially associated with the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. I want you to read the entire entry about preterism. I want you to become well acquainted with the preterist view. Now, listen to me. Some of you are going to jump to conclusions. I'm not saying the preterist view is right. I'm not saying the preterist view is wrong because we're going to study Matthew 24. And what we're going to do is we're going to study Matthew 24. And and then we're going to consider it in light of different systems of eschatology. And we're going to see where it fits and where it doesn't fit. Preterism obviously is going to push for an idea that Matthew 24, at least some, there, there's different schools of thought. There's partial preterists. We could go through all, you're going to read all about it. But there will be some preterists who would say Matthew 24, all of it, at least the part referring to the destruction of the temple, all of these prophecies point to the destruction of the temple. So they were all fulfilled prior to 70 AD. 
Now, some of you would be like, that's absolutely the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's completely ridiculous. There's just no way. I understand that. But what we'll do is we're going to study Matthew 24. Then we're going to consider the preterist view and listen to their best arguments and go, "Mm, could it be? Maybe. Then we'll, so we're going to look at a preterist view. Think of it this way. We're going to look at a preterist view saying that it's past. And then we'll look to a futuristic view, which says, no, these prophecy, some, that, that this points to the future. Now, please note, between the preterist and the futurist, right, there are those who will say, well, some of it was past, some of it is future. I understand that just for the ease of discussion right now, we're going to look at the preterist, kind of a past view that this has already been fulfilled, and a futurist view trying to figure out which parts of it hasn't been fulfilled. But let me give you an example. Anytime people go to Matthew 24, anytime I say, oh, war, earthquake, see, that's a sign of the end. Do you realize how utterly meaningless that is? Do you know how many wars there have been since, since Matthew, the gospel of Matthew has been written? Do you know how many wars there have been? How many rumors of war there have been since the gospel of Matthew has been written? Clearly, war is no longer a meaningful sign of anything because it just, there's constant war, 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 war. All over the planet, there's always a military conflict, some kind of conflict going on, on, on. And there's always tensions rising. And, and what's going to happen between China and Taiwan? What, what's, what is North Korea going to do? What's happening? It's always something. What's going to going on in the Middle East? What's happening in Syria? What's happening in Afghanistan? What's happening in Iraq? It's constant, 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 constant. For anyone to post anything on social media like, oh, the Bible talks about rumors of war, any person with a, with a high school education of history would be like, how is that a sign? There have been hundreds, thousands of wars since, the, since, 70 AD, since before 70 AD. Look, the earthquakes? Do you know how many earthquakes there have been on planet Earth since Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew have been written? Do you know how many pestilences there have been on the planet since Matthew have been? At some point, these signs become meaningless. But Christians keep, hey, hey, hey they, they want all their lost friends to know, oh, this is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And I'm just sitting there going, do you know how utterly foolish we look? How about we slow down? Maybe those signs were pointing to between the time Jesus speaks these words, somewhere prior to 33 AD, and 70 AD, were there significant earthquakes, significant rumors of war, significant pestilences that happened between 33 AD or say 32 AD and 70 AD that would make far more sense? Like limiting the time, then you can say, oh, there's a major earthquake, there's a major war, then they would be a clear sign. But if you just throw them out to somewhere pointing to something in the future, there's been so many wars and earthquakes that the sign literally has no significance anymore. Everyone should be able to admit that. And I'm not saying the preterist view is right. I'm not saying preterism is the way to understand it. I'm saying this, these are things you have to be willing to discuss if you're going to engage in meaningful Bible study. But I, mean, I just just start looking for sermons on Sermons 2.0, on the Sermons 2.0 app or whichever app you're, just look for sermons and start listening to anyone, Matthew 24, man, wars, rumors of war. I mean, many will still like, oh, see this war going on right here. See, Jesus is about to return. I've been hearing that since the 1980s. I can remember Desert Storm. 
when uh, Iraq invaded Kuwait and then we, we were going to go drive Iraq out of Kuwait. And all, man, it was like, well, this is the resurgence of the Babylonian empire. You know, uh, you know, Saddam Hussein is, is resurrecting the Babylonian, you know, empire and, and this is war and, and, they, and everyone's going to get involved and this is going to be the, well, guess what? Desert Storm came and went and Jesus didn't come back. The Antichrist wasn't revealed. The temple wasn't rebuilt. Every time, 9-11, oh, here we go, here we go. I mean, you any time a crisis, you hear the books, the books get published, Christians eat it up, make all of their crazy claims, and then everyone just moves on to the next thing. And nobody ever stops and go, how many times are we going to look dumb? How many times am I going to point everyone to Matthew 24 and then nothing happens? How many times am I going to do that? Well, maybe we've been mishandling Matthew 24. Time to stop the nonsense. The only way to stop it is to actually study it. All right, there is your homework. Read five times. Chapter summary method, meaning read another five times. That's 10 times, two other times out loud. But then do that chapter summary method. Number three, read the uh, the discussion or read Josephus's account of what happened in 70 AD or the Roman the Roman sacking of Jerusalem. Then go to theopedia.com, look up preterism. Preterism and read everything they have to say in regards to it. No, be so familiar with the preterist view that you can see how okay. Then uh, guess what our our job is going to be? 70 AD. All right. How many of these verses in Matthew 24 would actually point people to the destruction of the temple? And when does it possibly not refer to it? Some will try to find a clear, well, some will try to say all of it. Some will say, well, only part of it. And that's where, again, chaos, confusion, and disagreement, just like I started this episode. Um, yes, someone just said, you can also listen if you're using the Blue Letter Bible app. If you, in fact, I'll just show you. I'll open the blue letter, and everyone should uh, download the blue letter Bible app. Uh, it's free. But if you download the blue letter Bible app, I'm just going to go to New Testament. I'm going to go to Matthew. I'm going to go to 24. Okay, Matthew 24. I'm going to just tap on verse 1, and it's going to say, Start in a KJV narrated Bible. Listen to the chapter. Chapter 24. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. His disciples came to him for to show him the bill. There you go. You can listen to it. You can even set it to play it seven times for you. So just for the next eight weeks, Matthew 24, every time you go to bed, just hit play. Set it to, to read it uh, to you seven times. And as you're falling asleep, you'll hear it read seven times. There you go. I mean, use the Blue Letter Bible app. It's absolutely free. If you cannot find it for your device, let me know. The Blue Letter Bible app. That's another easy way. Now, please note, that That is on top of your, don't listen to it 10 times and say, I did it. No, I want you to read it yourself, but by all means, listen to it. Listen to it seven times on top of you reading it 10 times, okay? See how, so, so the person commenting in chat, you just now gave everyone extra homework, okay? It's all, it's all her fault. She gave everyone homework, okay? So the person in chat just gave everyone extra homework. I want you to read it 10 times, two of those times out loud, then listen to it seven times, okay? Now, you don't have to listen to it seven times, but uh, if you if you listen to it seven times, ten times, that doesn't count for your reading. 
This is a case where I need you to read it yourself, all right? I need you to read it yourself. Please do this, all right? We're going to we're gonna, we're gonna try to leave no stone unturned in regards to Matthew 24, all right? And this is what we do in Bible study. Observation, observation, observation. We will try to do some interpretation, but you know what you have to be willing to admit? There's, we may reach a point where there's going to be, well, we don't know the answer. We, we're going to reach a point where we're like, I don't know. And so guess what? When you know, I mean, you can almost be guaranteed there's going to come things in Matthew 24 where we, we may not be able to have an answer for. Here's what we need to remind ourselves every time. We have to remind ourselves of what we do know. And the chapter summary method is to give us everything in the chapter as an observation, an observational study. So when we start reaching for these things that are going to be controversial and that we don't know, when we get confused, we can take a step back and stand on what we do know. That's why you always do the observational study first, because you, you're you like, this is what I definitely know. So then when we get into all of the controversy, you can say, well, that doesn't work because remember what we saw here? Your observation protects you from all the crazy claims. That's why we, we do that, all right? I'm going to see if anyone else has any other questions. I'm going to wait and see. I don't see anything else. All right. And, and we, have a, a, we have a number of people listening to us on the, sermon, uh, the Sermons 2.0 app. I, well, I don't know what app they're using. Maybe they're using Church One. But uh, thank you for tuning in. I, a lot of times I don't check those numbers uh, because most people are going to be listening to us on the Spreaker app or on other platforms. So um, it's always good to see the numbers for Sermons 2.0 and Church 1 go up because that's great. So there you have it. Now, for those who are new, email me if you have any questions or need any help. If you listen and you don't know how to do the chapter summary method or you get confused, just email me news I. F, that's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif, if you want to think of, think of it that way, newsif at yahoo.com. And, and I will immediately do my best to help you and try to make sure you have the chapter summary method down. It's really not that complicated to learn the method. It may feel a little awkward doing the method at first. And I know your first your first exercise, your first assignment for a chapter summary method is Matthew 24. I know that's a big ask, uh, but that's why we I was giving the assignments for uh, the chapter summary method and our study of John 13, 14, 15, and 16. So um, the people who've been listening, they've already started working on the chapter summary method. Some of you who are new, you're just going to be like, whoa, I'm jumping in. Yeah, you're jumping in in the deep end of the pool. But uh, hopefully by the time you're done, you're going to know Matthew 24 and you're going to know the chapter summary method. And there may be some other methods that we throw in of Bible study. We may throw in a thematic, a topical, uh, a word study. There's, there's, there's 12 basic methods of Bible study. We may throw in a bunch here. We will see. But for the next eight weeks, now if you're still working on anything on John 16, please finish that up. Please. I don't want you to I know it's going to be so exciting to jump into Matthew 24, but let's finish that John 16. And then again, for the next at least eight weeks, Matthew 24, I believe, let me check one thing. You may have, let me look, I'm going to open up the curriculum and anybody wants access to the curriculum, please email me. All you have to say is I want access to the curriculum 
or just say curriculum, you know, and I will know what you mean. Okay, I'm going to log into the curriculum here. Give me one second. I believe you should have access. All right, hang on. Trying to type and talk at the same time. I know I should be able to pull that off, but um, I wasn't. So I got to spell a name correctly here. Okay, there we go. No, I don't want to save the password. All right, here we go. I'm going to go back to curriculum. All right. Next week's study is a special focus. We're going to skip that. Here we go. Yes. Unit two, session one, it's available. Um, And you immediately, we get to start studying Matthew 24. All right. Um, And it's called Stand Strong to the End. Um, And it it says, expect difficulty when you choose to follow Christ, Matthew 24, 1 through 14. Now, let me just tell you, the curriculum is going to go very practical, not very doctrinal and theological. I I guarantee it's going to be very, we're going to use it. What we're going to use the curriculum for is what we're trying to figure out preterism and Matthew 24 and observation and and what's been fulfilled, what hasn't been fulfilled. How do we interpret this? What about this? 70 AD, Josephus. Well, we're digging into all of this more very deep, complex things. At times, I'll have you deviate and say, okay, go look at the curriculum at this section because I want to throw in more personal application so that we balance it out. Right? We don't want to end Matthew 24 and we all pat ourselves on the back going, man, look at us. We know Matthew 24 better than anybody. Yeah, we know preterism. We know dispensationalism. We know premillennialism. We know amillennialism. We, we know all the isms. We know Josephus. We know everything that happened in 70 AD. Look at us. Yeah, if we end up doing that, then all we've done is become spiritually arrogant jerks and nothing good comes from it. So we got to balance out a lot of this technical academic stuff with very practical application that hopefully we can we can grow in knowledge but we also want to grow in grace we want to grow in godliness we want to grow in humility remember the more you learn the more humble you should become the more you learn the more you should realize how much you don't know and that should constantly be a humbling effect on your life if your study is puffing you up Something has gone horribly wrong, right? So let this be a humbling experience. But it is available now. Just don't, right now you've got your assignments. Don't even look at the curriculum. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when to look at the curriculum. I just want you to know it is available right now. And uh, unit two, session one. And uh, there we go. There we go. And, and you, you will have access to the adult personal study guide and the daily discipleship guide. And you should have a, the, uh, available to both. So if you want access, email me. I'll send you the link. It's free. You just sign up and then I'll, I'll, you may have to email me back and say, I signed up. You may have to email me back after you sign up because uh, I'll have to find your name and make sure that the, you get the, uh, all the curriculum assigned to your name. All right. So um, there you go. All right. I, I, I hate doing an introduction to Matthew 24 that doesn't involve us start working on this or giving you certain questions to work on, but, and you're going to, you're going to get, you're going to, you're going to become good friends with Matthew 24. You you are, you're going to spend so much time in it. So there you go. All right. Uh, No other questions. I don't see any other questions. 
Email is open, newsif at yahoo.com. If you're in the Discord channel, as always, let's start working, talking now about it. And uh, we're going to have fun. So we have, uh, we have the Jude series going on. We have the Roman series that's been going on since 2019. Now we're going to be working on Matthew 24. That's all. And we've got the Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis series going on. So we got a lot of things that we are working on, but uh, we're we're gonna make the use of we're gonna we're gonna hopefully do the best that we can to help you in all of these areas and make it beneficial to you. All right, I look forward to it. Remember, set aside all of your presuppositions, set aside all of your conclusions. Past conclusions are of no value for today's study. Right? Whatever you thought you knew in the past, if all you're gonna do is look at Matthew 24 based on how you've learned it in the past, you're not gonna grow. You're just going to be like, well, I already know what it means. Yeah, because, but what if your past understanding was wrong? You always have to set past understanding aside when you engage in new study. I know you get tired of me saying that, but until that, it's just, it's, it's the, the concept that we have to understand. All right. There we go. I hope you're excited. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm excited, but we're, we're, we're going to do our best. All right. So thank you for listening. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Matthew 24, start reading. Remember, it's going to be 10 times, two times out loud. So enjoy. All right, may God bless you as you read and study Matthew 24 with a desire to find truth, not simply to prove your team right. God bless.